would you guys believe that? Right? Like, if you got that and it's like, hey, you've been chosen, go pack a bag. Would you guys like, go home and pack question. a bag? Yeah, it's not like the car warranty guys are calling to like scam you with two days. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Heiner. Better red than dead. Javier Ortiz. What is up, my nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. Do you ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie? We're here to answer that question for you. Each week, we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. We appreciate your help growing the podcast by hitting that follow or subscribe button. Tell a friend about us. Go check out our website. Subscribe to our email list for exclusive content and updates at whatsourverdict.com. Today, we're reviewing Greenland. It was released on December 18th, 2020. It was written by Chris Sparling. It was directed by Rick Roman Waugh. It starred Gerard Butler, Morena Bacharin, Roger Dale Floyd, and Scott Glenn. It's about a family that struggles for survival in the face of a cataclysmic natural disaster. Guys, spoilers are coming. So if you haven't seen this movie, pause now, stop now, go watch this movie. If you're going to watch it, go check out our spoiler free review on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Once you've watched it, come back, pick up where you left off because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. So let's jump in deep dive style, guys. First thing, let's just get out in the open. One thing I wanted to talk about the first thing is I was really impressed and I mentioned this in the spoiler free review, and that is the tension in this movie is palpable from the start. Like you can feel like you're introduced to Gerard Butler right out the gate and he's just kind of standing there on this job site. And you can just tell this dude's not in a great place. Like he's not looking forward to how the, his day's going. And he hasn't even found out the fucking world's about to end. So, and the whole drive to his house, like he just, it just, I was uncomfortable. The lack of music. JJ, I told Javier, it looked like we were about to watch um, that movie with Russell Crowe, Unhinged. Oh yeah. It was very similar to that, right? It had that feel. Like, it was just the truck, the camera angle and everything. Yeah. I really liked that it set that tone of, this is uncomfortable right from the beginning. And it, it stayed with the, the movie, most of it. Like, it was just a really tense movie from start to finish, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially that first scene. I thought we were going to have, like, a Punisher scene where <laughs> we're going to start dumping people on concrete and stuff. I don't know why. I'm like, as soon as this movie starts, I was super suspicious of everyone. Like that, his coworker, his neighbors, I'm like, when they're, when he gets that presidential alert and they're having that like barbecue party and they're like, how come we're not getting that? I'm like, dude, this guy's getting jumped by his friends. They're going to shank him. And like, that. that's how this starts the whole time. Even the non-tense parts were pretty tense to me, but yeah. also I'm kind of a little bitch. So <laughs> take that with a great assault. This movie for me uh, hit pretty close to home just based off where my life is right now. So, I mean, there's definitely some palpable tension there, but kind of like Javier talked about, there was multiple times when he brought up the, the barbecue party with the presidential alert. I felt the same way when they had to get to the military base. I thought there was going to be some like some people are going to die all of a sudden, like when they were trying to get in. And then I thought, something's going to happen when he went to go back to get the medicine but then he made it back again and it kept like breaking those molds of oh actually nothing did happen until a crazy mass amount of people broke through and the military had the open fire and then planes blew up and so then that tension became a reality but I, I mean I think that's what this movie did best they carried that through through the the relationships between husband and wife to the husband and the dad to the kid to the crazy couple in the car i mean you name it it was there one thing i do appreciate about this movie though is that they don't make out the entire human race to be evil terrible rapists like there are some bad people right and they they show there's different scenes with bad people but like there's a lot of good people 
too. So I like seeing the contrast that I don't think you see a lot in these disaster movies where they just assume that everyone is inherently evil. Like Javier. I agree. I felt the same way on that one. That was probably my I'm, favorite part of this movie. Yeah. It's just like, I would like we're a little more balanced. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I was going to defend myself against Matson, but then I changed my <laughs> mind. And I, I would just like to reiterate my stance that if you were strapped, a lot of these problems would be gone. Right? <laughs> That's what I was going to bring up right? I mean, like, throughout the whole movie. It's like, if you had a gun, be different. Right? Dude, like if Al- if Allison is in the car with her son and this dude gets out, like get out of the car and she just pulls out a nine, right? Puts two to the chest, like problem over. You know, you're not stealing my kid. So anyway. And now you've got a car. You can go wherever you want. And now you've got a car. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you got to kill Hope Davis in the process, but I mean... Her husband tried to steal your kid, so. (laughs) Right, I mean, okay, so one more gun thing and then I'm done. I'll be done with the gun things. The dude, like the dad, is this like farmer in Kentucky, right? And gives them like a bolt action rifle, scoped rifle to defend themselves with. I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? This is like the worst gun to give someone in this situation. Like give them a handgun, give them a shotgun. If you're going to give them like a big ass rifle, like give them a shotgun. And Matson's like, well, maybe he only has one gun. I'm like, dude lives in Kentucky and only has one gun. Anyway, I just thought that was any. It doesn't have any problems. Maybe he wants to shoot a deer every once in a while. You don't have guns because you have problems. You have guns because you live in Kentucky, right? Okay, let's you have guns to solve problems. Right. Thank you. As someone that lived in Kentucky for a while, Uh not every Kentuckian has a handful of guns. Now, I know I that's an unfair (laughs) assumption. The dude lives on a farm. Did Did you look at this guy? No, no, no. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought the same thing. I was like, that's the only gun you got? Like, right. Come on now. Because, I, again, I, I live there. I, there's those that have guns usually have a small arsenal. But anyway. I have found that most people who have guns have a handgun, a rifle, and a shotgun, right? Like, that's like the base collection of guns that a lot of people have. If you're a farmer in Kentucky, I would assume that you have one of those three, one of each. Anyway. You have to put a poll out there and just see how correct Javier is. I Can we? Let's put a poll together because... I mean, I could just send some emails to my friends in Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Do, do a quick like group uh, group test. Anyway, that's all I'm saying about guns. Fair enough. That's all. Except, okay, one more. The way that kid in the gas station was holding his shotgun really bothered me. But other than that, we're good. <laughs> well, he probably hadn't held a gun like that before, so it could have been real. Yeah, that, that's true. That's fair. Okay, continue. I think that was probably his first time being in the gas station pharmacy, potentially going to shoot a wife and child. So I <laughs> New experience for all of us. Some people just don't know how to do it. <laughs> thank, thank, I, I was hoping when they went past him, they should have said, thanks for your kindness, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaned his feet with their tears. Like. <laughs> <laughs> of course of course he didn't have to shoot him that scene that was i was like and at some point harvard was like oh they got guns he's like okay like makes sense they're taking it over and he's like oh now they're just shooting people because they can that threw me okay so first of all it felt like kind of a repeat of world war z with brad pitt you know how he has to go into the pharmacy and get uh asthma medication for his daughter and that tweaker comes out with a handgun right yeah and then ends up he's like a super nice tweaker right like like not one of the one yeah like super generous and then he also gave some medical free medical advice which was also really nice so i was just waiting i was like okay where's the guy with the gun they did surprise me that there was like eight guys with guns 
But otherwise, I felt like that whole scene was just like straight out of World War Z. And to kind of, I, I don't know, and I think this kind of goes probably to a little bit about if I know Ian the way I think I do, why he doesn't enjoy these movies so much is they're all that way. They all have a scene like this, right? Where everything seems safe and they go in to get some needed supply and then all hell breaks loose because a bunch of assholes or one asshole or one seemingly asshole comes out. And so you have that artificial tension that it just feels forced. You know what I mean? And to me, that whole scene felt super forced. Like I would have been more impressed with that scene if they had gone in and she grabbed the medicine and one guy walked in with a gun and like a bunch of everybody else beat the shit out of him and kept getting their drugs. Like to me, that would have been more fitting for the way that the tension, because I'm expecting to see guys with guns come in and be assholes in some situation. So it would have been more fun to see it failed attempt because we're all trying to survive as opposed to that whole onslaught of a bunch of guys with guns. So I actually thought that was kind of believable because like if you're already ganged up, you would go after supplies. Right? Oh, sure. I don't know if I'd go after a gas station, though, because <laughs> what are you doing? Getting flaming hot Cheetos and Gatorade? Like what supplies <laughs> are you targeting? It was a pharmacy station? that they were at. Though. Oh, that's it, true. It was, they those, it was like a CVS pharmacy. style pharmacy. No, you're right. They're a little more high class, Javier. Just yeah, so. sorry. That was unfair of me to assume that they only eat flaming hot Cheetos. I mean, on a scale of heights, no, and I know everybody can't see, but like if, if gas stations are here at the bottom of what you'd raid, CVS is probably the next level up. And the only thing that it brings it there is the fact that there's drugs in the back. <laughs> Dude, guys, I would gang up and take a Costco or like a Sam's Club. That would be like my goal. So let's make a pact right now. Four of us. <laughs> take a Costco if things turn south. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with Tommy is like, are you gonna hold a Costco for two days? If we were in World War Z, I'm all game. But if I've got two days, I don't need to go to Costco. I went and to Costco speaking, yesterday. Speaking <laughs> speaking of that, I think that I, I didn't send this topic in, but that or maybe I did at the end. But that's what this movie's really all about for me as well. I can't uh, countless times I, hold, I told Javier, especially when they were in Lexington, I was like, why not just stay? Like, what are you, if it's really gonna end in the hassle to get to the point that yeah, they made it to Greenland? But for me, man, I'm probably just gonna stay where I am and just wait it out and enjoy the time that I have with those that I love. Because what's heartbeating with these movies, yeah, they made it, but pretty much everyone else doesn't make it and they're going to die a tragically horrific death why not just stay at home when it's probably more peaceful yeah it sucks but man i just i have a hard time with that i i really feel like i would make a different decision where and yeah we wouldn't have a movie if that decision was made but in reality i, I feel like i'm staying Nicole, so my wife made a really good point where she's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to get as close to like the epicenter as I can, because that's where you die quickly. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if you're on another continent, I mean, that might be you, you die from like ash inhalation. And if you somehow survive that, then like, and you somehow survive the shock, then you die from burning up. Right. <laughs> like, I'd rather that thing land on me. <laughs> I, I laughed because I went back and forth with that. When you're talking about the what decision do you make? I Because I think naturally it's hard for me to say that I wouldn't try to move forward to a place that I could get out, right? Like I, I think our your fight or flight instinct kicks in and my brain goes, I've got to find a way to at least try with the understanding that there's a good chance I'm not making it to these places that are having these these safe havens right but at the same time like they they show that one scene where he's going up he's going somewhere and there's a party somebody's having like a party on a roof or some shit and i was like that actually might be me i might oh. be the one that just says fuck it let's just get hammered for two days straight Dude, that's what i thought today i was <laughs> like good 
Yeah, JJ would get blazed. Hey, he got cell service up there. But <laughs> yeah. where this movie is a little annoying for me, they made it to Greenland, and then all of a sudden, because they're there close enough to the base, like the military is like, oh, no problem. We're just going to pick up these stragglers and bring them on in. But before at those bases, they were like, no, chronic condition. Screw you. We don't care about you. But they totally flipped. And I thought that was just interesting. It was like, well, if everyone made it to Greenland, are we pulling everybody down in the bunker? I mean, that's a valid question. And I, I could see that. But I also understand like the at the beginning, if everybody has hope, right? They're like, oh, we're going to make everybody's getting on planes. We don't like it. I don't get to get on the plane. I mean, that, that was crazy to me that 99% of the military is not going. I mean, obviously, you don't in theory, don't wouldn't maybe need the military at that point. But maybe that's the most important thing you need. Anyway, everybody's getting on this plane. But then once you're there, I mean, what a dick move. All your kids got needs insulin. You're 100 feet from the base. We're just going to leave you out here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's some serious next level dickishness there. Yeah, like you've got this dude's phone number. You can tap into his TV and his house, but you don't know that his kid's diabetic. Yeah. Like that seems like a weird oversight. I they, yeah, I thought they just said that they like should have flagged it and didn't or something like that. Didn't they? Yeah, but it's one of those things. I'm I'm with you. That that part to me, I laughed out loud when that happened, and they're like, "Oh, we're not letting them on." I was like, "Woo, that's quite the plot MacGuffin they threw in there." <laughs> I was yeah. like, so glad because I mean, again, they had to add that tension and creep because otherwise they get on the plane or they run away and probably die in the fire. Who knows? But and I said to myself, I was like, "Do we really need the insulin thing besides the two tense parts of they have to go into this drugstore?" and deal with the looters and on top of that they get almost kicked off the plane which keeps them there but the explosion would have kept them off the plane anyway so when all yeah. of that stuff when when everybody ran through the gate i was like mm, we didn't really need the insulin thing we could have done that because so I, I didn't enjoy that i felt like that was so forced that was probably my biggest besides the ending which we'll talk about but that's probably my biggest my kid biggest. was soft like the kid was seven yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is a trope though right in these like mm -hmm. survival things like one kid has got some illness whether it's yeah. asthma or they're diabetic or i'm sure there's a third one out there but yeah, <laughs> yeah there's always something so they get kicked off this plane right and they're trying to make their way to allison's dad's house and they get into a car with this couple like after the the pharmacy scene they make it out alive they get into this car and that couple finds out that they have bracelets and the plan that was hatched in this dude's head was the stupidest plan of all the plans like Nats and I came up with like four separate plans that would have worked way better than what this guy came up with as soon as I saw Roy I knew there was trouble brewing yeah he's always a dick and like everything he's in to be fair that seems like a Roy level plan. Like if Roy were to hatch a survival plan, I think that's what he would come up with. That's so true. I just so I just saw him in Big Fish with um you and McGregor. You and McGregor. Yeah, he's a dick in that too. I love like, that yeah, movie. I, I do too. Great. It's movie. one of my favorite movies. Anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a good plan when you only have two bracelets and you're trying to take three people and it's like, why not just take both bracelets for you and your wife and try and get in because it probably would have worked at that point and i don't get it. and if you're the mom allison at some point why didn't you just be like why don't you just take both of ours i know it got to a level of hysteria but that was the same thing that i brought up with i want to talk about with Ger gerard butler's character when he was in the back of that um that truck as well the guy that wanted the bracelet you're like at some point it could couldn't you just why not just give it to him like it means nothing to you now because you know you're not going to get on that plane with your for your family so i just right. i didn't understand 
not giving away the bracelets. Right. So you're so mm-hmm. she's in this car and this dude's like, OK, so I know that these bracelets are useless to them instead of saying, hey, can we just have your bracelets and try it at the airport? He's like, I'm going to take this kid. I'm going to kidnap this kid. I'm going to take her bracelet. I'm going to have my wife wear it. I'm going to try to walk onto the base without a bracelet. That was his plan. There are two bracelets in this car, and there are two people that need the bracelet. There is a male and a female. Like, just ask for the fucking bracelets. Freaking insane, dude. Well, I mean, the only flaw in the plan is if they scan the one thing about having the kid with them is those bracelets had those QR codes on them. So and they do scan the kid when they take him to the airport only after he causes only after the kids like they're not my parents. But that's what I'm saying is they could with the bracelets, if if the two of them show up, they have bracelets and they do scan it. And there's details, which I'm assuming there's more details than just their names then now you're screwed, right? So these two, I mean, it was, and I get where you're coming from. I'm not disagreeing with you. Just kind of throwing out there the other thought process of this bracelets came with details about these people. And if it shows a seven-year-old kid and his wife's wearing, or he's wearing (laughs) the kid's bracelet. Yeah. Now they know. I mean, they don't, they're, if they scan that either way, they're screwed, right? Well, they scan the kids. And if he hadn't said they're not my parents, they were going to let him through believing that they were his parents and they just lost their bracelet because somebody tried to steal it. They almost let him through. That's what I'm saying, though, like whether the the issue is whether or not they scan it. Right. And if they scan it, it doesn't matter what the plan is. They're screwed. Sure. Because they scan the kid. They're like, you've been denied because you're diabetic, which also Roy knew that. Roy's like, oh, they couldn't get on this plane because this kid's diabetic. My plan hatching. Take this kid. Try to get him on a plane. Like what? <laughs> What's wrong with you, dude? Are you anyway? Javier also said he was talking to Nicole. He was like, Nicole, would you let me do this? Like, let me stoop <laughs> to this level of being this much of a dick and just like kidnapping this kid so we could get on a plane. I don't remember what her answer was. I'm sure it was, of course not. But it was yeah. absolutely not. <laughs> She's like, I wouldn't let you steal some person's kid. Yeah, it's a little rough. But yeah, yeah, Gerard Butler runs in the same problem. He's in the back of like some truck and they're like, dude's like has a hammer and he's like, give me your bracelet. Gerard Butler's like, no. And the whole time I'm like, why? Why not? Like just give him the freaking bracelet. And then he's like, it's it's going to be useless to you because like they're going to check for ID. And the guy's like, well, give me your ID. And he and then obviously the next thought is you don't look like Gerard Butler. Yeah. You look like yeah. some redneck in the back of a truck. But like, who cares? That's his problem, not yours. You don't need your ID or this bracelet anymore. You know, and I agree with you about the, the kidnapping the kid. That one was really kind of silly. And But I this one, however, I'm with Gerard Butler. I'm not giving up my fucking bracelet in his situation. I will fucking kill a man. And the reason is, is you don't know. If you say you get to the planes and your kid and wife were able to get there. And now because I gave that bracelet up, I'm not able to get on that plane. You can go fuck yourself. That dude's getting a hammer in the back of his fucking head. I don't give a shit. I'm not he's giving up. I'm Gerard uh, Butler. I'm not uh, giving up my bracelet. He still got his phone with the QR code on it there. Dang. That's he's a good fair point. Enough, fair enough. But I'm just not giving up my bracelet. Yeah, that is one place where I completely, 100%, I am with Gerard Butler. I fucking kill the whole truck. You're not getting Dude. my my bracelet for how often i say grab a gun and shoot someone i'm like that's like a stupid reason to kill someone i've got a useless bracelet that someone wants like just give him the bracelet i'll kill someone else later but you You don't know know if it's useless and this guy all he's thinking about is getting to his son and his wife i i cannot sit and say honestly he was going to lexington at that point like he had given up on the plane right he already had a plan to go up to canada and and do that but you still got to be able to and who knows if they're going to scan you like you said you guys already said well hang on they wouldn't 
wouldn't let them on a plane, but they'll let them onto a base without bracelets. Who knows? In my mind, I'm thinking this bracelet gets me somewhere, and it is okay. It is that's actually fair. Yeah, that's I'm fair. not letting go of that bracelet if I don't have to. If you can make the argument of like, I missed a plane, but I made it to Greenland, and here's my bracelet. I should be in this bunker. Okay, all right. I okay, I can see that. Oh then, yeah, yeah. I, I'm killing a son of a bitch. Poor, poor guy that was like nice to him and his friend, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was Dude, also was, kind of a like, cool fight scene. I, I can't think of a time I've seen a fight scene in the back of a truck like like that. And then they all just get launched off. <laughs> yeah. And then Harvey's like, and then he's like, what if you were in an accident? And right after you had to get into a fight, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> you never that? happened for you me. Get into a car accident and then having to fight someone. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that never happens because yeah, I'm probably watch. dead anyways. Who's fucking driving that truck? The chick's like, pull over. He's like, I'm trying. I'm like, what do you mean you're trying? Oh, you either pull over car. or you don't pull over. And then he hits that car and you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I'm driving that truck, I'm slamming on the brakes and sending every one of those fuckers flying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> or I'm stomping on the gas and sending it. Yeah. Like, sit your ass down, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I was, yeah. Javier was so mad at that part. He's like, who's driving this I thing? Told, and then was, you're like, this person ought to use his right hand side mirror. All of a sudden, side swipes a car you're like what's going on like can you not just there wasn't that many cars on the road (laughs) (laughs) i get it i've never had someone fighting in the back of my pickup truck but like i don't think it's gonna cause me to lose my mind and just no one was fighting the driver he could have pulled over fine hey they had to create some tension and a pretty wicked scene of people just exploding through the back of that wood and you're like dude they're all dead i would be so mad if i jj you may need you may need to edit this out but poor black man like all the white people lived seriously Oh, talk about a trope. Oh, God. I, I thought, I was like, why did he have to die? But it's because he was being nice to him that we wanted to make Gerard Butler's character feel bad. But still, like the tweaker lived. Come on. Yeah. I did like doing that scene that they didn't make him like some sort of Billy badass where he just busted both their heads and was done. Like he like he actually was like having to fuck around because there were two of them and he was turning and swinging. And I was like, that's a realistic fight. Like, it's not pretty. It's not intricate. You're not some block everything thrown at you. It's you just try to do what you can to keep people off until you get tackled. He had a clean elbow to a dude's face. Right. I'm like, that's the Gerard Butler that I know. (laughs) Oh, right there. Kept expecting Olympus has fallen type stuff out of him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, 300 this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've talked a lot about this, but I did want to touch on. So, obviously, everybody ends up back together. They end up at, at dad's house. And I, I wanted to talk about the dad real quick because I love that actor. Scott Glenn is so cool. The one that plays his dad. Now, obviously, he didn't give the right amount of weapons to this kid and his, his daughter and son-in-law, but. What did you guys think about his and Gerard Butler's whole interactions? Because I thought it was interesting to see the last time they were together or speaking, there was a lot of issues that were coming out. It seemed like they were on the verge of divorce. So to be able to have that conversation was very interesting to me to see, you know, things have changed, figure it out. So I really, I liked that scene. To me, that was probably one of the better scenes in this whole movie. What did you guys think about that interaction between Gerard Butler and Allison's dad? When he first walks in the door and the dad just starts giving him crap, 
I was like, okay, I kind of see how this is going. And I really like the part where Gerard Butler goes, look, we want the same thing. We want them both here with us and safe. And the dad like thinks about it for a second and then completely changes. And the rest of the time, it's all about him trying to focus on getting them there, getting them safe. And he doesn't give them crap. So I thought that was kind of interesting, just seeing that dynamic between the two and the realization that like, yeah, there's been some crap in the back, but right now what's important is getting them safe. So I kind of like that part. I also like like that same part. This is after Gerard Butler killed someone, right? And so he's obviously like shaken. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the dad like looks at him. He's like, are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. It's just a long day. And I was like, I turned him out. So I was like, I'm calling it right now. This dude's like a war vet, Vietnam. They're going to talk about it. He's like, I've seen that look. You know, you killed a man type thing. They never brought it up, which I actually really appreciate. But dude, this guy's like a uh, old dude living on a farm in Kentucky. He's absolutely a war vet, right? He's absolutely seen like that face before. So it's cool that they sent that message without explaining it, right? Yeah. Like they just set the stage and boom. So I thought that was a really interesting interaction. I thought that was one of the reasons why he softened up on him too. It was like, oh, like, yeah, it has been a long day for you. As far as the scene in the barn, like it was well acted. Yeah. I just feel like that's a weird conversation to have with your father-in-law, right? Like that would be a fine conversation to have with his own father, Right. Like, like, dude, you cheated on your wife. Like every marriage goes through shit. But like that, that's no excuse. Like, You really need to man up and like own up to your responsibilities, which is your family. Right. That's like the gist of the conversation. Again, very well acted. Yeah. I just couldn't help but thinking like weird to have with the father of the woman that you cheated on. Right. Well, I thought that was kind of fitting for his character, though, because he seems like he he doesn't there's no BS for him. He just is a straight shooter and is going to say what's on his mind. And that happened to thing that happened to be the thing he was going to say. Obviously, it hit a little bit more home for me in, in some regards. But I think it was just really well acted that you could have such a important, intense conversation and get points across in such a short period of time, but have an understanding that you came to and move on from there. Sometimes less is more. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that, Javier. But I think it depends on the relationship that you had too. like, I could see like, I have a really, really good relationship with my father in law, like, mm-hmm. I, I have conversations with him that I could see in a situation that was would be similar to that having that conversation. So for me, it was a very and I think that's part of the reason that I like that scene so much is you could tell that there was tension, especially at the beginning, right. And then there was this, I think I venture to say in my mind that when things were good with the couple, they had a good relationship, these two. I mean, as good as you can, in my opinion, because that's the kind of thing that in order to have that conversation and have it be as comfortable as what it looked, even though it's an uncomfortable situation and conversation, no matter what, but it flowed so well, I think they would have had to have had a good relationship. And that I, so for me, I just related really well because I do have such a great relationship with my father-in-law. So but I really enjoyed the whole scene because Scott Glenn's a genius. And I love when he's looking up at the end when they leave him and he just looks up at the red sky and he just kind of smiles and it's like, yeah, we're good. I'm ready. <laughs> I like Scott Glenn a lot. I totally, it resonated with me, his choice to stay though. I kind of alluded to earlier, like for him, especially your wife's not there. You've lived the life that you want to live. I mean, I'd really get that point where what more is there to be around for? Like in some ways, I'm sure maybe he's wanted to be dead for a while, but he's just doing his thing, living the life. And now it's seems like, you know what, if the world's really ending, I'm okay with it. I'm ready to go. And I want to be at the place where my wife died and and see what's next. Yeah. You like one of his lines is like, doesn't matter if it's today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now, like, what do I care? Like, we're all going to die. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's uh, I love his voice, though. Like, I want him to narrate something. Like, I don't know what. I just 
He has a cool voice. I re- I really enjoy. I've always enjoyed Scott Glenn, even when he was younger. But he did. He was in the Daredevil series that was on Netflix mm-hmm. for two seasons, I think. And he he was amazing in that too. So I just really like him a lot. I was glad to see him there. Okay, so I would I do want to talk about the next scene where they're driving in this truck, and it felt like okay, so this is a little over two hour movie, and there's long. it is long, and there's a lot of, and I think part of the reason it felt so long for me is they stretched it out for the visuals. Visually, this movie is amazing. Probably one of, if not the best, one of the best like world ending style, especially like these natural disaster comets, whatever you want to call them, hitting earth. Visually was just stunning. The explosions, the things coming down in the pieces, the red sky, the big clouds was really badass. And I feel like this next scene where they're in the truck and it's the one you see in the trailer where they're stuck in traffic and they get the little alert that stuff's about to hit in New York. And then you see everything and they're driving through it trying to get away that scene to me was entirely unnecessary like it did nothing for the movie to me that we hadn't already seen all it did was give an op- opportunity for some cool visuals which it was and then it led me into another moment of and this is where my maybe less than good human being side shows i can't say that if i'm gerard butler and i finally i've went through all this shit to get reunited with my wife and kid and i run them underneath of an overpass and there's some dude stuck in his burning car that i'm gonna go burn the shit out of my arm to get him out of his car he had to redeem himself life for life you know yeah i mean i get a man and he saved a man like now he's a decent person again <laughs> so you're even yeah. you can kill yeah. as long as you just save as many as you kill right, right. there you go right you just right. can't be in the red you gotta you gotta even you gotta yeah. right in fact if he saves one more he's a, he's a good person he's old one there. yeah <laughs> he's old one. logic <laughs> that's ian's logic thank you very much <laughs> he killed two murderers there's one less murderer <laughs> I probably I'm an asshole, but I probably would not have gone down there because what if that car explodes? What if any number of things happen while I'm down there trying to save and I just what if you need your right hand at some point during the rest of this? Yeah. One side thing before we move on too quickly. There's a lot of Dodge Rams in this uh, this movie. (laughs) If you're in this type of situation, I would recommend going with Ford or Toyota. They're they're more durable, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got. Yeah, I would comment hit better than other brands or something. Right. I'm just saying that if you're going for reliability, which you should be going for in this type of situation, you you shouldn't go shouldn't go Dodge. In my opinion, and there's plenty of people who disagree with me. They're just wrong. <laughs> I was with you until you said Ford. So. Well, I mean, like, dude, those F-150s have come a long way. You should watch the torture test. Like, it's crazy. They just, anyway. Oh, I've but seen it. I used to sell it. To my head, I would go Toyota. Yeah, I don't know. I, at that point, I think I'm taking whatever's got some gas in it and can get me from point A. Which, so if Javier ever goes to a CarMax or someplace like that and they put a gun to his head, if you're a salesman out there and you're listening, put a gun to his head, he'll buy the Toyota. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you put a gun to anyone's head, they'll buy whatever you tell them to buy. Right? Like, <laughs> I feel like Javier doesn't need the gun and he buy the Toyota, though. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point I'm making. Right? Well, oh, I mean, we know wow. that's true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> OK. Oh, other thing. The other thing about this. This guy's a structural engineer. Right. Do you guys see his house? His house is his house is amazing. Yeah. I, I work in that industry. I know how much structural engineers are making. It is not that much. 
So <laughs> also structural engineers are a dime a dozen, dude. Everyone studying civil engineering is like coming out as a structural engineer. So like, well, I mean, I guess this guy's building skyscrapers and stuff. I was going to say, this dude's not just building like he's not working in Provo building fucking. But I would argue that that's less useful, right? Because if you walk out of that bunker in Greenland, they're not like, all right, dude, let's start popping up skyscrapers, (laughs) right? He has has the knowledge to be able to do the. I'm sure if we need him to build an Applebee's, he could do that, too. Right. But I'm saying you would rather want like a road engineer or like a like if you're going to go structural engineer, you want someone who can build bridges, not skyscrapers. Fair enough. I'm just saying it's an interesting choice. Well, maybe he used to do that, Javier, and then he switched to skyscrapers. So F you. Really how that works. Well, yeah, like maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of that, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually did like the explanation of that they finally gave as to why he and his family were chosen with this presidential alert. The fact that there was a purpose behind choosing him. It wasn't just some random ass thing. The reason I bring that up is I wanted to ask about this whole presidential alert system thing that we see. in the beginning that's that was my question is this thing real like i've never heard of it but i'm curious and i googled quickly but i was in the midst of getting set up so i didn't i I was like this is a rabbit hole i may never come out of so i i ended my search but i was curious if any of you guys had done any kind of search to see if this was a thing i didn't i just figured you guys would know (laughs) going to see i know right and and if we if if I'd had more time I would have so listeners next time I will come up with whether or not the presidential alert thing is a thing because I didn't I had no idea I was like what was that is that real I thought it was cool that he assumed it was an Amber Alert right because that's sure. that's like we've all gotten Amber Amber Alerts right so he's like oh pulls it out and then he immediately notices no one else is getting this Amber Alert right yeah. and then he then he looks at it and he's like. Ugh. So my follow-up question is, would you guys believe that? Right? Like if you got that and, and it's like, hey, you've been chosen, go pack a bag. Would you guys like, go home and pack question. a bag? Yeah, it's not like the car warranty guys are calling to like scam you <laughs> two days <now. laughs> How does it make you feel knowing that you would not be selected? Like we work in human resources. Like we are 100% disposable to the human race. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I fully, and I talk a, a big game about how I'd be pissed and shit, but like I said, the reality of the situation, and if I'm in this place and I know I'm not getting the alert, I'm probably going to to loot every gas, every grocery store gas station of all of its alcohol, and I'm drinking myself into a stupor so that when that fucker hits, I don't even know it hit. Like, I, <laughs> Jake is walking in with his dual handgun, shooting <laughs> old ladies, stealing liquor. I think it's really easy to believe the alert because of what was already going on. Like you'd seen it crap ton of military planes you had seen military on the roads at that point if i got some course until this movie i would have been like what the heck is is this alert but it surely i would have been like something's going on i probably should pay attention because i mean if we saw all that amount of military traffic around here all of us would be like what the hell's going on like what are they not telling us i think i know the same thing it goes back to the neighbors though like as harry pointed out i just don't know i feel like people would have been through that we didn't really talk about those scenes when they were driving away from the neighborhood oh my gosh talk about the tension that you know that would happen you know like that that was probably one of the best scenes in the movie because that was real like i could just picture that happening and just what do you do take the kid and just leave him there when we get to the the base there's no good solution there Dude, I actually really liked the first 30 minutes of this movie. Like, I thought it was super, super cool. Like, those aspects of it, like, like figuring out what's going on, like, that 
interaction with the neighbors, when they first get to the military base, like watching how people react to that situation was super fascinating to me. And I thought that was really cool. I agree. I think the first 30 to 45 minutes of this movie were fantastic. And then I think it went into, you know, typical world ending movie mode. And yeah. that it started to lose me heavily. Yep. Especially again, that scene that, that like I said, there's 30 minutes in this movie that could have gone away. And I think it would have been a, a cleaner, much more intense, much better movie. I think I probably would have recommended it as opposed to just saying stream it because it just by the time it got to that, I was like, OK, I get it. The world's ending. Can we get to the part where they're almost to Greenland yeah. already? Because like I said, that whole scene in the truck was not needed. They could have gotten me. I would have been okay if they had started in the truck. You see them having those conversations as they're driving. And then even if they're driving and they get past and that, you know, they drive through some of the meteors falling, but don't do the whole bridge scene and the car burning. Just take me to Canada at that point. Show mm. them to stop the, the airplane. And I think you cut out 30 minutes of time, 20, 30 minutes, and it's a better movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at one point, Matt's and I were like, how much longer is there in this movie? Pause it. There's like 30 minutes left. We're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause we haven't even gotten to the resolution at that point or even close to it. One other issue, little issue that I have with this movie, right? Is he's like, yeah, there's like this uh, airstrip in the city in Canada. Like, me to, you know, there's planes taking off from there. Cell phones don't work except for Apple Maps. Those, like, you can see when they're driving to the airport, he's got it like on his dash and the little map up there. <laughs> I was like, cool. That's convenient. Good for, yeah. good for you guys. I mean, technically, you can use maps without a network. You just can't get directions. Yeah, no, but I thought he had that little blue strip, like, leading him to. Oh, the- I didn't Maybe I was wrong. No, you might be right. I didn't really pay that close of attention. Well, it goes more back to what Javier and I were saying. There was like, our phone's thing is this, and we didn't have GPS. Like, we're us trying to get the Hill Air Force Base here in Utah. I don't even know what we would do because the freeway would be packed out. How do we even get there? Like, do I even know where I'm going? Like, it would just be bad. I have no idea how to get to the... Air Force Base from here. I know there's one north of me. And then, yeah, if, that, if, if the freeway's closed, like, I'm screwed. Right? Like, there's no way to get up there. Like, maybe there is. I just don't know. There's a lot of ways. I'd tell you to call me, but I can't. Aren't working. Out, so. right? like, <laughs> You've been to my house. You were almost there. No. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how to get to your house. Dude. I've literally Google Maps to your house three times, four That's times hilarious. now. Guys, at this point, no idea how to get to your house. That's funny. So one thing I did want to talk about that kind of goes along with this is the ending. To kind of close it out, I think it's a great thing to talk about. I was so excited the way I thought this movie was going to end, and then they didn't actually end it there. So when they're in the bunker and they're, you know, a few minutes out from the the one that they said was bigger than the, the one that killed the dinosaurs, they get in the bunker, they're hugging each other, and they have this moment where the kid brings up the fact that his friend said that, you you know, your life flashes before your eyes, before you die. And he's kind of freaking out saying, why am I not having a flash? I'm not having a flash. And they, they console this kid. And then they're all hugging. And then they have this flash moment where you see memories the, of the parents and the family going through as this kid's growing up. And I thought, this is really cool. And I thought this would be even, this is a great ending if they just black it out mm-hmm. and leave it. That's the end of the movie. And I thought thought they were going to do it. They did the black screen and I actually raised my hands. I was like, what a great way to end this movie. And then they fucking came back. Yeah. And then I was pissed. I was conflicted there because I'm like, as it was happening, I was like, in my head, I'm like, this would honestly be a good way to end this, right? Like a real inception way to end it. Because the whole time, or a couple of times throughout the movie, they're like, your, la- your life flashes before your eyes before you die. So you're like, 
their life is flashing before their eyes. Do they die or they just think they're about to die? Right. And then fade to black. I'm like, that would have been really cool. The other side of it is this is not an artistic enough movie to not tell me what happened. Right. Like I sat through all your bullshit for two hours. Tell me what happened to these people. Right. So that was my like conflicting thoughts through the whole thing. I agree. I, and, I, there was, and I think that's why I loved the idea of when I thought they were going to end it that way, I was really excited going, I want so badly to know if they survived, if they didn't, did the world end, like what's going on? And so the fact that it left me hanging or it was going to, I thought it was going to, I was like, I love this all of a sudden. I think if they had cut it there, it would have changed my very much would have said, I'm willing to eat that 30 minutes of non-needed content because the ending was so outside of the norm. I think it would have saved this movie for me in a lot of ways. And I, it's not that the ending was bad. I thought it was really hopeful when they you hear all the different bases across the world are checking in through the, you know, this radio system that you can see that the human race has hope, though I thought it was interesting that they only gave nine months for the radiation to dissipate. I was like, mm, that seems a little short, but yeah. So that part actually kind of frustrated me as I thought about it. So I'm like, you're turning away diabetic kids for a nine month bunker stay. Like, yeah. like really at this point, like you've got these people that you want to bring. Yeah. You bring their families, dude. It's nine months. I legitimately expected they're like, it's world ending bigger than what wiped out the dinosaurs. I'm like, oh, this is generational. Like we're yeah. going to have to stay in this bunker for generations, like hundreds of years. And then like nine months later, they're like, oh, look, a bird. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Well, and I, yeah, I got so frustrated because I'm not a scientist. Look, I, I'm not I know nothing about this, but just based on common sense to me, that kind of world destruction and the fact that those comets are coming through our atmosphere. I mean, they irradiate. I mean, this is you're going to have radiation. You're going to have ash. You're going to have I mean, just a fucking volcano going off destroyed you know, almost wiped out an entire piece of civilization back in the day with Pompeii. So how is it that you have all of these earth shattering comets hitting the earth to the point that they give the, you know, the satellite view and you see like a piece of the ocean is like still steaming and with a giant red crater in the middle of it, the amount of damage that's there, you're not coming out after nine months and not having problems. Like, right. Like if you, the entire planet is on fire. I just stand by it that yeah. I'd rather be dead at that point. If I believe in what I believe, it just sounds a lot better because I'm going to be in a hole in the ground for probably a lot longer than nine months. My quality of life is not going to be great. And then after that, like like we said, what do you do from there? Which would be a great movie, great book. And yeah, just real hard to want to go through that. That nine months, even if it is nine months, like that nine months is not a pleasant state because they're like bunk bed no. right next hundreds of people. Like, dude, I've done that with 50 people and we were at each other's throats after eight weeks. So, yeah, like nine months. <sighs> I'm with Madsen. I staying home. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's yeah. like the first time Ian and I have agreed. Not that we ever really disagree, but he's come out and said uh, today's a special day, listeners. Are you guys ready to rate this thing? Do it. Okay, let's let's get it done. If you guys are joining us for the first time, we rate movies on a zero to five scale, zero being the worst movie on the planet, five being an absolute piece of perfection. So let's start with you, Matson. Yeah, I'm going to give this movie a 2.5. It's not great. It's not bad. I think it's right in the middle. I think the more we've talked about this, like Javier said, I really, the first 30 minutes were strong. Tension, the acting, just setting the scene. But then for me, this movie just feels long overall. There, There's some scenes that I think can be done without that we can just allude to um, as JJ's kind of brought up in reference. And now hearing what could have been the ending, thinking about that, 
yeah, that probably would have elevated this movie to new heights in a lot of ways. But if you're a disaster enthusiast, I don't know why you wouldn't like this movie. You'd probably like this movie quite a bit because it's having seen some of the other disaster movies like this isn't bad in that genre. In fact, it's probably one of the better ones. Not that I've seen a ton of them, but comparatively speaking to like a, a movie we would just watch because you want to watch. I think it's just middle of the road and it's it's not a bad thing. And yeah, if you're looking for something to do again, don't pay for this unless you're a disaster enthusiast. Otherwise, wait till it comes out and you can stream it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. There's definitely some thought provoking things from divorce and relationships to how you would act in a pandemic and what decisions you would make. Would you continue to fight or are you going to spend time with those that you love at home? So 2.5 and I don't think I'll watch this movie again. But again, if it was like on, I'd watch. Ian. I will say that as you guys have talked about it, there are elements that are good about this movie. Um, I'm not a big disaster survival movie type fan. So I'm sure that will play into my rating, but it did. It was really well acted. I didn't even think about the visuals till JJ brought that up, which I looking back on it were pretty cool. But I, I think it's because in that situation, like I would just stay home and let the world go crazy that I have such a hard time watching people like screaming and hysteria and like all this crazy mess. Cause like, who needs that? So I'm going to give it a 1.5. Like I really, yeah, there was a couple good things about it, but I'm not watching it again. And I, I, like I said, if you really like those types of movies, yeah, this could be in the top of that genre, but just not a fan. Doesn't do it for me. Javier. I've already talked about a lot of things I like and, and don't like about it. Like, like what Matson said, as far as like this genre goes, it's probably the best one that I've seen. I can't think of one that I would like better. To be fair, I haven't seen a ton. I've only seen like three of them, but I don't think in my mind, Gerard Butler can do any wrong. Like I will watch the shittiest of his movies. <laughs> I watched 302 just because he was in the first one, right? Like <laughs> I'm watching movies that he's not in because I like him. <laughs> so I'm going to give this a three because I think for the genre, it's good. I think it's pretty well acted for, I, I actually can't think of anyone where I'm like, that was bad acting. Like even just the, like the FEMA uh, agents, right? Like even those people were like good actors, right? The visuals were cool. Uh, it was a little long, but other than that, like, honestly, like I had fun. I think you, I think you should, I think someone should watch this once, especially now since like no new movies are coming out. Like just go watch this movie. It's fun. As far as if I'd watch it again, it doesn't really have that rewatchability factor. I don't think, I think if you've seen it once, you've seen it a thousand times, right? If someone, if it was on, like, I don't, I just can't see myself ever sitting down and paying attention to it again. I wouldn't shut off the TV if it was on. I just wouldn't pay attention if it was. I am going to agree with everyone's reactions, to be honest. I'm going to give it a three. And I say that because I've been fighting this whole time with my rating on being harsh with it because it disappointed me in places that I feel like it had the opportunity to be a really good movie and really stand, you know, on the outside looking in of all the disaster movies we've had throughout time and say, this one did it really well because it wasn't over the top and it wasn't just about, you know, making an extremely crazy movie. It actually had reality, real tension, real themes in the midst of a disaster. But they messed up in a lot of ways. Like I said, it was too long. There were scenes that didn't need to be there. There were some really questionable thought processes. While I can justify all of them, there's still a couple that you're like, what the hell? But I, I give too much credit to the human race sometimes. So maybe it's not that far off. So I, I think I wanted to like this movie a lot more. And part of the reason is, is because, like I said, visually, it was stunning. The acting was great. And and Gerard Butler and Marina Bachran were believable throughout this movie. Her running up and down the, the highway, like screaming ugly 
ugly screams because they just kidnapped her son. Like, and then oh. seeing her seem just completely and utterly defeated trying to find it was it was very well acted. I really wanted the ending to be different. I think, like I said, it would have made this a better movie. Plus, cut out twenty minutes in the middle. It just wasn't necessary and didn't add anything except cool visuals. So overall, a three for me. I will not actively watch this movie again. Like, I'm not gonna go seek it out. But if it's on HBO or something, and I'm flipping through channels, and I'm like, ah, I'm bored. It's on Netflix, and I'm like, I just need something mind-numbing while I do other things. I would put it on and let it play. Um, it is a good background movie. Yeah, great backgrounds, I think. So, I, I, but I won't actively sit down and go, "Ooh, I'm going to pay attention to this movie." It's it's just not that kind of movie for me. That's our rating. Not a great movie, but wasn't the worst one we've seen by far. So, go check it out. Thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye bye now.